All right, all right, all right. It is time for the WannaBet Podcast Week 8. Crazy that we are talking about Week 8 already. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, David Schiff, here with my partner, my compatriot, my colleague, Miles V. What's going on, Miles V? Hi, I'm Miles. Maybe you've heard of me. What a wild week of football, David. I don't know what is more surprising to me last week. It's the results of some of those games that Christian McCaffrey got traded right after we dropped our podcast, or the fact that Bailey Zappi's parents named him Bailey after Scott Wolf's character on Party of Five. I did not know that. That that was the biggest takeaway from Week 7, that uh, Party of Five, Scott Wolf left his legacy on the NFL. I'm so pissed for not naming my own sons, Brandon and Dylan, after Beverly Hills 90210. That would have been brilliant. I'm just going to have to tell my sons, uh, Willis and Arnold, that I made a huge mistake. What you talking about, Willis and Arnold? <laughs> Would you believe Hawkeye and Radar? <laughs> How about Bo and Luke? Does that, does that work for you? Well, you know what? My daughter, Daisy, she's all over that. So <laughs> That was funny. As usual, look, the NFL is always crazy. Lots to talk about this week. I do want to mention, though, because you made a comment last week about how the tide had really turned for old quarterbacks. So Aaron Rodgers was having a bad year. Tam, uh, you know, Tom Brady at Tampa Bay was having a bad year. Matt Ryan. And you mentioned all of these quarterbacks. And that was before last week. You know, Green Bay loses to the Commanders. Tampa Bay loses to Carolina in a, in a shock. I mean, nobody saw that coming. And then Matt Ryan, maybe the worst outcome of all, loses and he gets benched outright. He's done in the Colts. So... Boy, you really hit on something last week. Last week, for some reason, I was seeing things clearly. I mean, yes, I mentioned that about the quarterbacks. Uh, I thought it was a good time to implement my lessons 1 and 1A, right? So not only avoid betting against home underdogs, but to trust it and start betting the home underdog. And, you know, I went through those three home underdogs with you, and, you know, two of those three games came in, right? And the one that didn't come in, that was the 49ers playing at home against uh, KC. I said, I don't like that home dog because KC had just lost the week before to Buffalo, and that's a bad spot. So, yeah, last week, for some reason, uh, everything came into focus, and I guess I just had one of those. I was really in tune with what was going on weeks. Well, I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but you did something last week that has never been done in the history of the Wanna Bet podcast. So we're going to get into that in just a moment. Um, as a reminder, Miles and I bet $1,000 worth of bets every week. Uh, so we're going to spend the first half of the podcast looking back at the week seven bets. Then we will put money into our banks and turn our attention to week eight. So I'm going to go first here um, because I came in second place. I'm just going to let everybody know that now. Um, my bets were very up and down. Now, luckily for me, my biggest bet came in, and I bet 460 to win 400 on Tennessee beating the Colts. Tennessee was favored by two and a half. Um, if you had told me that Tennessee was not going to score an offensive touchdown and they were still going to win this game, I would have shaken my head at you and said, that's not going to happen. But that's exactly what happened. This was all field goals. Randy Bullock had four field goals and really the story of the Colts just inability to move the ball. 
They had three turnovers and Matt Ryan was benched. And when I first heard this after the game, I was like, wow, what an extreme reaction. Cause he did have 250 yards, you know, passing. He threw a pick six, but he had a touchdown to two interceptions. And this morning, I, I think I got the answer to why he got benched. I don't know if you saw this, but apparently there is a clause in his contract, an injury clause, which states if he is injured and unable to pass a physical on March 2nd or 3rd of next year, which is like the second day of the 2023 season, then he is owed $7 million. So apparently the Colts made a quick and rash and specific decision that they are done with him. And interestingly enough, they're not going to Nick Foles, who is a past Super Bowl winner. They're going to Sam Ellinger. So lots of changes coming for the Colts. They're in trouble. Uh, but luckily for me, they didn't come close to this game, and I was able to pocket $860 in that game. And in the spirit of seeing things clear- clearly last week, I think that was a game where I told you I totally agree with you. I'm on that game. I'd be on that game myself. I bet it while I was in Nevada. I mean, that was one where I'm like, good call, David. I wish I would have come up with this one too. I mean, I did, but I, but I, you know, this was, I was very much on your side on this one. So yeah, good call. Yeah, we were both on this one and it felt, you know, pretty solid. You know, Tennessee was coming off their buy. They were well rested. Uh, So this one paid off for me. My next bet, I had... Atlanta minus six uh, over Cincinnati. And the reasoning was at for six weeks of the NFL season, the Falcons were the only six and O team against the spread. So this was a little bit of a flyer bet uh, 210 to win 191, just to see if they could, you know, keep that streak alive. They did not. The public didn't like that one. Uh, in fact, uh, those people who follow our podcast and put in their picks, I think a bunch of them went against you and ended up winning on that bet. They all had Cincinnati. They knew something I didn't. And there were two words that define this game. Those two words, Joe Burrow. So Joe Burrow passed for 345 yards in this Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Joe Burrow passed for 345 yards in the first half in this game. He went crazy. Uh, Chase, Boyd, Higgins, they combined for over 300 yards, three touchdowns. Chase had two of those. And this was the kind of game where Cincinnati just ran away and hit in the first half. It was 28-17. And when you're behind like that, as the Falcons were, you have to change your game plan. A weird game for Atlanta to lose 35-17, to and Marcus Mariota only attempted 13 pass attempts. And one of them was a 75-yard touchdown. They just didn't have the ball. But in the second half, you know, you're behind. You got to do something. They couldn't muster anything. They didn't score any points. This game wasn't really close. Uh, you know, we, I guess I knew Atlanta was going to have to come crashing to the ground against the spread at some point, And they did it big time uh, in this game. So that bet did not pay off. Again, in the spirit of seeing things clearly, I was, you asked me, you know, what team is 6-0 and against the spread, and I knew it was Atlanta, and I knew that they just can't keep it up forever. So it was bound to end at some point. Unfortunately, it ended with the week you bet on them. It did indeed. And that takes me to bet number three, Monday night, New England minus eight over Chicago. I had bet 330 to win 300, and I'm going to be honest, this game just pissed me off. I think this is a classic example of a team 
favored, which would be the Patriots overlooking an underdog being the Bears, and they were just unprepared for this game. They just got punched in the mouth. They thought they could stick in any quarterback. Mac Jones was terrible, three for six, 22 yards. They put in Bailey Zappi, who was better, uh, you know, passed for a touchdown in the first half, 185 yards. He did have two interceptions, but they were scoreless in the second half. And on all three sides of the ball, defense, offense, special teams, they just got beat by the Bears. And I guess if you're going to give the Bears any sort of sort of credit or look ahead, if Fields ends up turning to be turning out to be a good pick, you might look at this game as the game where it slowed down a little bit for him because there were definitely plays where you could see his speed and boy, when he turns it into that extra gear, he really gets going, but he was also able to slow it down enough to hit open receivers and get past some of the problems that he had before. Um, But I would be embarrassed if I were a new England Patriot. And what surprises me about this week is I just read that Mac Jones is set to be the starter against the Jets, which completely surprises me. I thought that, Boy, uh, he didn't look 100%. He didn't play well. Bailey Zappi played better. Uh, He's certainly been the guy the last month. I'm surprised uh, that the Patriots are going back to Mac Jones so soon. I'm surprised, too, because when Bailey got in there, I mean, first of all, the the New England fans were booing Mac Jones. And so when Bailey got in there, he was kind of the spark that kept them going. And like you said, he immediately scored for them. They were moving the ball with him. They looked like... You know, they could actually come back and, and keep pace with the Bears and, and maybe even, you know, eke out a win, which, you know, ended up not happening. That result was surprising for everyone. I mean, if this is the week that probably most survivor pools died between picking Tampa Bay over Carolina and between picking, uh, you know, New England over the Bears. I think probably the majority of people are, are now done in their eliminated pools. It would be hard to imagine people getting past some of those games. Just some really, really surprising outcomes. And I guess if Zappi, going back to the Patriots game, had done a little bit more in the second half, maybe uh, the Patriots would have landed somewhere else. But they did not look good. Chicago, you know, comes away with a win. I finished the week one for three. Luckily, it was my big bet. So 860, not terrible, uh, but certainly not enough to win the week. Yeah, not terrible. And you know what's really weird, though, is that New England, despite getting completely blown out on Monday night, is a favorite this week on the road against New York Jets, making the New York Jets a home underdog. So something to keep an eye on for uh, for next week. Go figure. Uh, one of the things that I thought that was great about week seven was that this time we had four of our listeners send us their picks. So nice. it brings me such joy to have you know audience interaction and whatnot and you know we know donnie wheels has been dutifully sending us his picks since week one and uh joining him for week seven was our man dave siegel who said now that he's hooked so that's great and welcome to two new listeners bill and rj who also submitted their picks this week so four of our listeners submitting picks and rj was really bold with his picks he picked five underdogs on the money line taking no points and two of those bets came in so he actually went two and three but was positive money because of those money lines so <laughs> good for you rj and and bill he uh he bet on the uh, on waterford aka the commanders which i thought was a great callback bill uh you're a good listener 
blessed be the fruit. And, you know, having more people send us their bets just kind of goes to show how hard it is to to be good at handicapping. I mean, uh, this last week, Donnie and Bill, they ended up losing money, but RJ and Dave Siegel won money. And, you know, it's just not as easy as it seems. So, yeah, really solid. And, you know, credit to Siegel because he was two for three and he had a nice profit on the week. He had Cincinnati minus six and a half and he had the uh, the Raiders Houston over, which they cleared easily with 58. So he came out of the week with uh, almost $1,500. So way to go, Dave Siegel. Keep it up, buddy. And don't forget that you too can make your picks by going to our Twitter website at Bet Podcast. And let's see if we keep getting that number to go up, right? And if you like the podcast, feel free to let your friends know about it, tweet about it. Uh, or give us a review at Apple. And uh, we actually had a hilarious review at Apple come in recently where I laughed out loud. Whoever wrote this review, uh, they didn't leave a name. Uh, They are talented as hell. I would probably hire them as like a copywriter or an advertiser. It was really one of the better reviews I've seen. They used no less than four Fletch references, uh, but they were like seamless. I mean, they were just, they, they blended right into the review. And... I'm kicking myself for not thinking about some of these references. I mean, the fact that you and I each week use a thousand dollars as our, you know, amount of money we use. And we never talk about the, you know, under the beach boardwalk scene with Mr. Stanwick, where he gives him a thousand dollars. And he's like, you know, uh, this doesn't tell me is dressing up as little Bo Peep. And he's like, it's nothing of a sexual nature. I assure you. Yeah, I assure you why we haven't done that or why when he gives a thousand dollars to the lawyer for the former Mrs. Fletcher, Arnold T. Pants, you know, and he says, you know, here's a thousand dollars cash. I'm impressed because I saw my pimp today and keep 10 for yourself. I mean, ah, brilliant. So thank you for the review. Uh, Love to if you'd message me so I know exactly who you are to thank you. Don't be like Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting and fail to come forward. Yeah, that's great stuff. And by the way, dressing up as little Bo Peep might have entered the list of punishments on one of bet. So I'm just saying you heard it here first. Uh, you might see it down the road. <gasps> oh, great Odin's Raven. Not a bad call. So why don't we get into my week seven bets and I'll go through them quickly. Uh, My biggest bet was on the Seahawks uh, plus six and a half points. This bet was a combination of thinking that the Chargers are incapable of dominating a game coupled with the Seahawks playing really good football lately behind Geno Smith. I can't explain Geno's resurgence, but it's happening right in front of our eyes. Uh, So the Seahawks, they won the game outright. I didn't even need the six and a half points. In fact, I could have given six and a half points and I still would have won the game comfortably by more than a touchdown. Um, 17 to nothing Seahawks after the first quarter. And with the six and a half points that I had in my bank, I mean, I pretty much felt confident that I was good to go. Uh, And if you recall last week, I said there'd be some bad San Diego juju, you know, uh, maybe the the city is due for some you know bad Padres, bad Chargers, and I'm sorry, but I was right. Um, you could see the opposite of the good karma heading over to Philadelphia between the Phillies and the Eagles, but this was just not the right time for the Chargers. So first of all, as I talked about the city of San Diego, it wasn't bad juju. It was just typical juju. That's just who we are as a city. Sorry that my Padres run. Uh, it was it was a little bit magical, but uh, ran into the Phillies buzzsaw. Uh, And turning to the Charger game, I think I had said that it was really going to come down to the Seahawks' ability to stop the run. 
And Austin Eckler had 31 yards. The Chargers had 53 for the team. Eckler did have almost 100 receiving, but they couldn't get anything going. And once again, every week, I move farther away from the Brandon Staley train because, again, Seahawks get the ball, they go down and score. Chargers get the ball, they go down into Seattle ter- territory. There's a fourth down. They could kick, get on the board, make it 7 3. They go for it. They miss it. Seattle gets the ball back. Suddenly it's 14-0. Then it's 17-0 in the end of the first quarter, and you're completely changing your game plan. And so, Brandon Staley, with all of your you know daring and your risk or whatever, you are losing your team games. They were never in this game. Good bet by you. We're seeing it a lot. We're seeing a lot of people going for it on fourth down, trying to get that first down instead of putting up the three points. It comes back to bite you in the long run is what it is what I'm seeing this year. Um, my next game was the Miami-Pittsburgh under on Sunday night. Uh, you know, I've been noticing that unders have been coming in hot in the NFL. And, you know, at the time we dropped our podcast, I didn't know what the quarterback situation was going to be. But I didn't think it was going to be a problem either way. Uh, Tua ended up starting the game for the Dolphins. And what does he do? He promptly marches down the field and scores a touchdown on their first possession. And they get field goals on their next two. So I was very worried in the first half uh, because Pittsburgh also ended up on the board with a touchdown and a field goal. And we're looking at a 16-10 score at the first half. Now, I'm no mathematician here, but 26 points in one half – Seems as though maybe 52 points are going to be scored after two halves. I don't know. Call me crazy. Uh, and 52, that's greater than 44 and a half. So I'm not a smart man, Jenny, but I know what love is. Anyway, uh, I was not loving the way this game was going. Uh, Tua was effective. Miami looked formidable. This bat was definitely in danger of not coming in. Except the fact that zero points were scored in the second half. <laughs> yeah, zero points. Miami went for it on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal, just like San, just like the Chargers. Uh, they didn't get it. Turned it over on downs. I guess all the cool kids think it's cool to go for it on fourth down. So after failing to go up by nine points and keeping it six, Pittsburgh was always within one score of being in the game. But fortunately, that never happened, and 26 points was the total, and I was a winner. What a riveting second half of football. There were 10 punts in the second half, and there was a stretch where there were punts on eight consecutive drives, and no drive lasted longer than five plays. It was the perfect buzzsaw of terrible football meets an underbet. So congratulations, because I looked at this score at halftime too, and I was like, well, you're going to be sweating it, but wow. You know, interceptions, Pittsburgh threw a couple of those. Uh, it was just some really, really bad football. And you had the right bet on bad football. Well, my third bet ended up being the right bet, but this is one that I will scratch my head on forever. This was me employing my Lesson 1 and Lesson 1A. Reminder, Lesson 1, stop betting against home underdogs. Lesson 1A, start trusting your theory and bet on the home underdogs. And I selected Carolina Panthers, as a home underdog, plus 11. When they had Christian McCaffrey is when you selected them. I was just going to say, within 24 hours of declaring that bet, Carolina goes ahead and trades away their MVP, Christian McCaffrey, and the line moves to 13 and a half, okay? But we're sticking with our lessons. You know, I was taking the home dog. We were trying this out, and what happened? 
I mean, you saw what happened. Carolina won the game outright, which was a shock to everyone. I was taking a home dog, and Tampa Bay, to me, was not looking that strong in previous weeks, and that's why I kind of focused on them. I really didn't think that Carolina was a strong team. And truthfully, I started watching the game, and on the first drive, Tom Brady hits Mike Evans in the hands for what should have been a walk-in touchdown, and for some unexplicable reason, he dropped the ball. And little did I know that drop was basically, you know, an indicator of all things to come for Tampa Bay. This game, to me, was an outlier. It was an anomaly. It was a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma. I'm sorry, I can't explain it. It was just kind of like the ending in The Sopranos. But pay the man his money. I got the bet right. I had a perfect three for three week. And uh, yeah, $909 up on that week. Let's just restate that because that has never happened before. Miles V goes three for three, our first perfect week on WannaBet. He turns his $1,000 into $1,909. So that is fine, fine work. Congratulations, Miles. Thank you, thank you. And if you're keeping track at home, so far this year, I've managed to win money five out of seven weeks and have cashed the last four weeks in a row. So let's see if we can keep it going this week. Yeah, you're up four weeks to three, but you're starting to pull a little bit, uh, pull away a little bit in, in the bank. I'm a couple thousand behind. Now, by the way, I'm impressed that you won these three bets. I really am. You really would have impressed me if you bet the money line on the Seahawks and the money line on Carolina. Do you have any idea what you would have won if you'd made those two bets? I don't even want to look. I got to think at plus 13 and a half, we're talking plus 500, plus 550 money on Carolina. And I mean, plus six and a half for the Seahawks is probably 300 plus 300. Yeah, those were all big time winners. So, yeah. You swept the week. You jump into the lead four weeks to three. And now, as always, we put $1,000 more in our banks, and we turn our attention to week eight. And a little bit of a spoiler here, something is going to happen in these bets, which has never happened before on one bet. And I will just save that uh, until a little bit later. Um, what are you thinking, Miles? Do you want to talk about your first bet? Sure. My first bet is Atlanta minus four and a half against Carolina. Okay. So I know you were on Atlanta last week and they lost. I was on Carolina last week and they won. I think this week is a completely different position, and I'm going oppo to what happened last week. So up until last week, we talked about Atlanta being 6-0 against the spread, and I said they can't keep that up, and they lost. And last week I took Carolina. They played the games out of their lives, and you know now I think things are going to regress back to where they belong and that Atlanta will beat the spread and that Carolina returns to being the worst team in the league. Based on Carolina's performance last week, the line moved from six and a half to four and a half, but I don't think what Carolina did last week is repeatable, and I'm happy with the line movement. Carolina was in a unique spot. They were playing Tampa Bay, a team that was in disarray, and I don't think Atlanta's in disarray. Atlanta is pretty predictable. They run the ball a lot, uh, and even with Cordell Patterson out, I'm a big believer in rookie Tyler Algier. He put up great numbers at BYU in college. He's been getting more and more run as the season progresses. 
Atlanta is tied for the lead in the NFC South, and they're playing at home. I like the spot for them. Nice. And you're not worried by P.J. Walker uh, emerging as a burgeoning star in the NFL? I think it's a game-by-game analysis. And I think you pointed out two weeks ago that he came into the game and had like 60 yards passing and looked like he couldn't complete a, a first down. Last week he looked okay, but last week they were at home and playing against a team that, you know, just didn't have their act together. I think it's going to be different, and I'm not worried about them. Well, what is your bet on the Atlanta-Carolina game? This is going to be my big bet for the week. I'm going to bet 440 to win 400. All right, 440 to win 400. You are betting on Atlanta minus 4.5 to cover over the Panthers. We will put it in the book. All right, um, I've got a couple bets that are at the same level here. I'm actually doing four bets this week. My first bet is the Denver Bronco-Jacksonville Jaguar under 39.5. Uh, playing this game in London, I am betting 330 to win 300. Denver is the lowest scoring team in the league. Now there's a question of who's going to be playing quarterback. Russell Wilson has said that he is indicating that he might play. He's got a bad hamstring. If it's not him, it's Brett Rippon. I don't care if it's Russell Wilson, Zach Wilson, Wilson the volleyball from Castaway, Carney Wilson, uh, I don't care if it's Brett Rippon, Mark Rippon, whoever these quarterbacks are, this is going to be a low-scoring game. Only one Bronco game all season has had a score totally more than 39.5 points. Their last three games have averaged 27 points. This is a team that just doesn't know what to do on the offensive side of the ball, coupled with the fact that they have a strong defense. Strong, disruptive defenses are Trevor Lawrence's kryptonite. He gets rattled. He throws interceptions. I think it's a combination of you've got two teams that are traveling over to London, bad offense, and let's let's call Jacksonville's offense mediocre. That gets canceled out by the strong defense by Denver. They're, they're a top 10 defensive team. Denver has no offense. This is going to be another turd of a game that we send over to Europe. I like the under in this bet. That is some very compelling analysis. I got to tell you, you're convincing me that uh, that that is the case. It's uh, I looked at that game in the beginning, and in fact, I was thinking about Jacksonville minus two and a half because uh, you know they got rid of their running back uh, Brent Robinson. They traded him to the Jets, which frees up. Travis Etienne to actually be the featured back. He's a good player and he's, I think, an improvement and I think is going to add an exciting dimension to Jacksonville's offense. So, you know, I was looking more at the side and thinking and leaning Jacksonville, but I think your analysis on the overall score is pretty compelling and uh, and it sounds good to me. Well, the only thing that's got to give on this game is that both of these teams are in the middle of four game losing streaks. So somebody's going to get a win here. It's going to be a low-scoring game. That's my first bet. What's your second bet? So my second bet is Minnesota minus 3.5 against Arizona. Um, and this one's a little funky, and I'm sure you're going to get into it. Um, last week, I saw that you were on the Tennessee game, and I thought, oh, I want to be on the Tennessee game. Uh, I like that game. I was eyeing it earlier. I actually bet it while I was in Nevada. So, you know, why are you on it and I'm not? That sucks. And that one came in. 
And when I saw your bet this week, which was Minnesota minus three and a half, I said, I'm not relinquishing this. I feel strong enough that I want to be on Minnesota too. So I'm on Minnesota, and I know that's one of your bets as well. But here's my reasoning. Minnesota's playing at home where they're a much better team. They're coming off the bye week, so they should be rested and have a good game plan ready. Yes, Arizona played Thursday night, so they have what people are now calling a mini bye week, but I don't care. I still, you know, think that Minnesota's in the better spot. Now, I don't love the half a point. It is minus three and a half, and that half a point could be a problem. But Arizona's been all over the board this year. They haven't been able to string two wins together in a row. Last week they won. I'm hopeful that trend continues that they won't win two in a row. Minnesota, they're seeing Green Bay is fading, and Green Bay has a tough matchup against Buffalo, so this is a prime spot for Minnesota to take advantage, gain some ground in the NFC North. So I'm betting 330 to win 300 Minnesota. Well, that's a fantastic bet because I'm also betting 330 to win 300. And I will tell you that for me, once I looked at the lines and I thought the line looked interesting, the very next thing that I looked at for this game is what time of day is it being played? Because we all know that Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings do not show up in big primetime games. They don't even show up really in afternoon games. So once I saw that it was a 10 a.m. Pacific Coast time game, 1 o'clock Eastern, that definitely uh, threw me over the edge and I wanted to put money on this game. Minnesota is 10-1 in their last 11 10 a.m. home games. (laughs) Now this is going to be an interesting game. I'm curious to see... If anything more happens in the relationship with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. So if you saw last week, there was a lot of heated uh, sideline yelling going on. DeAndre Hopkins had to step in and kind of play peacemaker. Kyler Murray is clearly frustrated. He's not playing well. He was 20 of 29 last week for 204, one touchdown. Uh, You know, Minnesota, as you pointed out, you know, they've kind of the surprise of the NFC North with Green Bay fading. They're five and one. I really like them at home in this situation. Um, I did consider betting the over. It was 49. Um, Arizona gives up a lot of points. And I do think with DeAndre Hopkins back in the lineup, they're going to score more points. So I considered the over for just a little bit. Uh, But at the end of the day, I didn't want to go there. I think Minnesota has just too many weapons with Jefferson Thielen, Dalvin Cook, etc. So I like them to cover the three and a half as well. Yeah, it's weird that we're both on this one. I know it's a first, but we're at week eight and it was bound to happen at some point. And maybe at some point we'll actually be oppo on on some of these bets. But uh, that's the deal there. What Since you have four bets, what's your third? So my third bet, going back to the Colts, is I am on the Washington. What's I'm not, I don't watch uh, uh, Handmaid's Tale. The Waterford? So I'm on the Waterford's money line uh, over the Colts. So they're plus 20. So I'm betting 120 to win 132. It was my smallest bet, but because it's a money line bet. Now, this game originally was going to be a matchup of Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan and all the, uh, you know, the the Commanders fans circled the game because they wanted to see how, you know, Wentz performed uh, against his former team. Now it's Tyler Henneke versus Sam Ellinger. So this is a completely different game. And I am going strictly on the fact that Heineke... Although he's a career backup, he's started 16 games. He's thrown for over 4,000 yards 
Sam Ellinger has never thrown a pass in the NFL. So he is going to be making his first start. He is going to be throwing the ball for the very first time. He is playing at home, but I think that he's going to be deer in headlights. And the line was close enough. It was plus three. I consider taking Washington. I think they're going to win outright, which is why I landed on the money line. Now, Shaq Leonard is supposed to start for Indianapolis. That is a big, big piece of news for them because he is really the engine that makes, you know, he's, he makes the defense go. Uh, coming off of a concussion, a broken nose, a back injury. So who knows what shape he is going to, to, you know, to be in. And also Indianapolis, they did not give up a touch an offensive touchdown last week, as we discussed. So their defense is solid. I think their offense is just going to be non-existence. I think Washington has enough to get some points on the board that they're going to win this game in the end. And my money line bet will come in. If you're a fan of football and you circle this this week and you think Matt Ryan versus Carson Wentz and you get Ellinger versus, you know, Meineke or Weineke or whatever the hell the guy's name is, you're asking for a refund. I mean, this is just brutal. Um, Ellinger. Ellinger threw the ball a lot at Texas. I will say that, you know, as a college quarterback, uh, I definitely enjoyed him playing and, 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 and saw him succeed. But, you know, your first start in the NFL, I, I think with the speed of the game, is going to be tough for him to be that successful. So I kind of don't love the spot that they're putting him in. Um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, a decent call by you. I totally agree with that. The speed of the game just takes brand new quarterbacks a couple of games to get used to. And I want to be on the opposite side when he's in game one trying to figure it out because it's going to be moving really, really quickly out there. So that's my third bet. All right. Well, my third and last bet is Seattle minus three against the New York Giants. Now, on our very first podcast, we hated Seattle. And I've come 180 degrees on that. I love them now. Uh, I won with them last week, and I'm riding them again this week. The New York Giants, look, they're one of the most overachieving teams right now. Uh, if you ask the public, they're ready to hand out Coach of the Year to Brian Dable. And, uh, you know, look, we're only less than halfway done here in the, in the season, and there's a lot of football to be played. And this is the week that I think that the New York Giants come back to reality a bit. So this game is being played in Seattle. I think the 12th man will be a major factor in this game. Looking at the Giants, I mean, who have they really beat this season? They beat the Bears. They beat the Jags. They beat the Packers. Big deal. Yeah, they got a freakish win against the Ravens, which should never have happened. And that's why I think they're playing with the house's money here. And that's all going to come to an end. I love Seattle's new running back, uh, Kenneth Walker. I hope they get back DJ Metcalf. But even if they don't, Marquise Brown looked great alongside Tyler Lockett. My last bet, Seattle minus three against the New York Giants, $230 to win 209 All right, so you are taking Seattle minus three at home over the Giants. Interesting that the Giants are 6-1 and one and an underdog in this game. And I guess not a surprise because they've been an underdog the last four games. This is their fourth straight week as an underdog. And I will say I'm kind of with you on their wins being a little bit shaky because it's it's taken them and, re- 
and required for them to have five game-winning drives in the fourth quarter in order to get some of those wins. So I'm with you. The Giants have always been a team that, to me, feel a little smoke and mirrors. They haven't fallen apart yet. Credit to Brian Dable for keeping them together. Seattle, who knows? You know, Geno Smith is completing over 73 of his passes. Maybe I just missed that one from from the beginning. You're on them. You won with them last week. So your three bets are in the can. And as I said, one other thing that's never happened before on one of bet is when we talk about our bets, we say that we primarily bet the NFL, but not exclusively. So this week, I am going to make a bet on the USC Arizona college football game. And I am going to bet the under on that game, which is 76 and a half points. I am betting 220 to win 200. Now, USC, number 10 ranked team in the land, uh, had a solid start. They did have their first la- first loss last week to Utah in the last seconds. They lost 43 to 42. And here's how I'm seeing this game is going to go down. USC is a 15 and a half point favorite. They are going to win this game, but I think coming off of a bye week, all they have been hearing is how their run defense sucks, their defense costs them the game, and they have been chomping at the bit to get back on the field on the defensive side and show that they are a solid contender. They are not the best team in the country. They have problems on defense but they are going to get after Arizona who can score a lot of points. Arizona is not a great rushing team. They're like number 92, number 93 in the country. They do have a good passing game. So I think points are going to get scored in this game, but USC is going to cover with a score of something like 45 to 21. So there will be a lot of points scored in this game. USC will cover the spread, but 76 and a half points is a lot of points. And I don't think that the USC defense is going to allow them to get close to that number. So I like USC Arizona with the under, under 76. That is my fourth bet. We're throwing a little college football, you know, into week eight. I'm excited for this week. I feel really sort of focused. I like my bets. What do you think, Miles? Oh, you know what? We didn't we didn't talk about what we're playing for, what we're played for last week. So Miles, by virtue of his sweep, his huge, you know, confident, you know, easy victory in week seven, he has earned a pizza lunch at the very famous Geno's Pizza in Sherman Oaks, which is an offshoot of the famous Chicago Pizzeria. So we will be going there tomorrow. Today is Wednesday. Miles, are you excited about some Geno's Pizza in your future? Yes. They rarely do good deep dish outside of Chicago, but this place is legit. So very happy to do that. Very happy that I won. Very happy that you're paying. And in keeping with the food theme, this week we are playing for some more iconic Los Angeles food delicacies. We will be going to Philippe's Restaurant, which is the home of the world-famous French dip sandwich. It started right here in Los Angeles. It is an L.A. institution. So the winner this week will be earning a free lunch at Philippe's. We love this. I think this is really the favorite part of what we do. It has nothing to do with the sports betting. We just like all the good food results and the wins and things like that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Philippe's. I actually like Italian beef sandwiches better, which is more like a Chicago delicacy. But if you're going to go for a French dip sandwich, this is the place to go. Somebody will be going for a French dip sandwich next week. But right now, we're on this week, and as Miles said before, you can always play along with us on Twitter, at Podcast, 
throw in your bets, give us your comments. We are building a grassroots community here and we love it. We've had a great time doing it. Miles, you want to say goodbye to the folks at home? Love your body, Larry. All right, everybody. Have a great week. Peace. We're out of here. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric Acid.